you don't just gain confidence from taking these small steps and having success. You also gain confidence from taking small steps, falling on your face, and then getting back up and realize, like, I didn't die. Hey, midlifers, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I know I always say I'm excited about today's show, but I'm really excited about today's show. Like, really, 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 really excited. Our guest today is Andrea Owen. She is an author, life coach, podcaster, keynote speaker, and a badass woman that I have admired for quite some time now. Andrea Owen is creating a global impact in women's empowerment with her books being translated into 19 languages and available in 23 countries. Wow. She helps high achieving women maximize unshakable confidence. I just love how that sounds and master resilience. All three of Andrea's books came along in my life right when I needed them. Andrea's first book, 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life, Bullshit-Free Wisdom to Ignite Your Inner Badass and Live the Life You Deserve, inspired me to start being the woman that I always knew I could be. Her second book, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, 14 Habits That Are Holding You Back from Happiness, helped me get out of my funky funk in my life and to stop the self sabotage once and for all. And finally, her most recent book, Make Some Noise, Speak Your Mind and Own Your Strength. Such powerful titles, aren't they? They're so cool. Okay. Anyways, that book motivated me to make some noise. Well, more noise than I already am, if that's possible. But yes, it is. It has encouraged me to shine my light and share my gifts even more with the world. Basically, it's time for me to turn up the dial on my dimmer switch. I highly recommend all of Andrea's books, and I hope this episode motivates you to shine your light and share your gifts with the world. I hope you turn up the dial with me. Oh, yeah. Before we get started, a friendly reminder to sign up for the Midlife News at the Midlife News com to receive your free midlife makeover toolkit, a $50 coupon to the midlife makeover method online course, insider alerts on new episodes, live shows, and special offers. Yes, you get all of that just for signing up. 
Speaking of live shows, follow me on Instagram at Wendy Valentine, the Midlife Makeover Show to watch us live. We have some awesome guests lined up over the next few weeks, and I can't wait for you to meet them. Okay, there are tons of nuggets of midlife wisdom during today's interview, so get ready, be present, and enjoy. Andrea Owen, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. I am so beyond excited to have you on here. I'm going to share with everyone how I kind of stumbled across all of your amazing work, but um, you are a podcaster. You're Mm -hmm. an author of three awesome books, which I have read all three of them. Uh, You're a coach and you're just a wonder woman. And I admire you. And a keynote speaker too. I get up on stage. Oh, yes. Yeah. So tell everyone a little bit more about what you do and why you do what you do. Well, I'll start with a second question. It was, it's kind of like a funny, not funny story. I found out about life coaching in 2003 or two, it might've been 2002 when like no one knew what that was. It was a brand, brand new, I mean, it had been happening here and there, but it was like kind of coming out on the internet in the very beginning. And I told my husband at the time, I'm like, this sounds really cool. Cause I kind of wanted to be a therapist, but I'm like way too much of a cheerleader. And like, I don't think I would be good at being a therapist when someone comes in with like chronic depression. And I'm like, yeah, you can do it. get a girl. <laughs> so life coaching felt like it was right at my alley. But then my next sentence was, but I feel like you would need to have some life experience to be a great life coach. And I was in my twenties at the time. I was still pretty young. And lo and behold, two years later, the universe delivers. My husband had an affair with our neighbor right when we were talking about conceiving our first child and he got her pregnant. We got divorced. I immediately started dating someone who I thought was really great. Nine months later, turns out he'd been lying about his terminal cancer illness to cover up a drug addiction. I found myself pregnant with his child. And I was like, I think it's a really good time for me to sign up for life coaching school. But The universe delivered my life experience. I had no idea that signing up for life coach training would make me really look at my own stuff. Mm -hmm. And it did, which propelled me both on this career and in my own personal development journey. And so here I am. I mostly uh, work with women, but I do speak. My keynotes are for people of all genders and just really helping them remember who they are and tapping into the natural talents that they already have to build more confidence and live their best life. I love that you said remembering who they are, because one of the parts I just got done reading, make some noise, which I absolutely loved. Thank you. And one of the parts of that you say the unlearning, which I talk a lot about that. Like, so sometimes we think we have to learn something new, which sometimes we do or something different, but it's a lot of it's the unlearning of what we've mm. been taught, how we've been raised in society, which gets crazier by this. Like you just pick up your phone and you're going to pick up something crazy, right? Yeah. Um. So talk a little bit about that, about the unlearning process. Yeah. And that book was specifically, that book in particular was specifically written for women. And I felt like, you know, I'd written two self-help books and I was thinking about writing a third and I thought, you know, and how to stop feeling like shit, which was my second book. I, I chronicle these 14 behaviors that I see come up over and over again in myself too, but in, in my community, it's things like perfectionism, people pleasing, um, overachieving control, numbing out, isolating. And, and many of those behaviors stem from the conditioning that we receive as women, you know, to always put other people's 
comfort and feelings before our own and be nurturing. And not that those are bad things, but like it comes to the detriment of our souls. And so I felt like I can't, I can't write another self-help book without mentioning this elephant in the room, like this root cause. Yeah. And of course there are other root causes as well, like your family history or like traumas and things like that. But I just, I had to talk about this conditioning. So much of that book is about recognizing these behaviors in ourselves and unlearning the conditioning that we've all gotten to some extent. I mean, unless you grew up with like a therapist mom who was also a feminist, like, <laughs> which I did it, especially like people who are in it, who are middle-aged, like we are Gen X, baby boomers, elder millennials. Like yeah. we pretty much all grew up drinking the same Kool-Aid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is a quite a common thread with us midlifers these days. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So I want to tell you this story about how I came across your first book. So yeah. Years ago, I was living in Williamsburg, Virginia, going through a divorce, and you know, been there, done that, right? Mm-hmm. And my brother had passed away, my dog passed away, and my oh. cat passed away, like all within a few weeks Stop of each it. other. So it was just like, uh, I was completely numb, completely just lost, quite simply. And I used to go down to Colonial Williamsburg and I would, you know, walk around, I'd go to the Barnes and Noble and get a book or whatever. So I walked in there that day. I, I felt like total shit. Like mm-hmm. I just didn't, need, I didn't know what was up, what was down, left, right, right. So I go to my, my section self-help section. Yeah. That's my favorite. <laughs> Personal development section. And I'm like, I see Eckhart Tolle, Deepak, Wayne. I'm like, read it, read everything. I've read it. Or either it was a book that was like, eh, you know, mm-hmm. and then I see the 52 ways to live a kick-ass life. And I grabbed it because it was bright pink, which is mm-hmm. you know, gotta love bright pink. And then I was looking at, it, I was like, and I remember thinking, do I want to live a kick-ass life? Like, I almost felt like I wasn't worthy at that point to live a yeah. kick-ass life. I was like, I just kind of want to even live a normal life. Right. <laughs> you just like, and I was like, get going. Stay above water life. <laughs> yeah. So then I, I put it back. I went upstairs, grabbed my latte. And I was going to walk out. I went back down there and I grabbed it. And I was like, yes, you fucking deserve to live a kick-ass life. Yay. Yeah. And everyone listening does. Yep. And I walked out of there and I went and sat on a bench there in Colonial Williamsburg and I read that book. And so I think as, I mean, even myself being a podcaster, writer, hopefully soon to be author, right? Um, You always wonder like if you make a difference in somebody's life Mm -hmm. and I'm going to cry, but you did in mine. So it's like, sometimes you think like the simplest teachings can be the most profound. Sometimes it's just, and I think it's okay. Another story yesterday, I was talking to my son and, and, uh, he's like, Oh, what's going on? How are your interviews going? I said, interviewing Andrea Owen. And I was like, I'm so excited. He goes, are you nervous? I was like, should I be? I was like, no, I'm not nervous. Like, but I was like, you know what? I'm not nervous because she's like me. Yeah. And I feel that when you, when I read your books, it's, I feel like you're just like me. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's um, a gift to be able to portray that so that when the reader's like sitting there, you're not like, 
oh, it's Andrea Owen and I'm way down here and blah, blah, blah. No, you're like, you got this. Like it's, I feel like even when I read Make Some Noise, I, I felt like, okay, she's talking to me. Like you do know me, which mm-hmm. is kind of like, but it's, yeah. So I loved every single book and it really did. And it was, it was interesting because each book I needed right when I needed it. Yeah. Even like that. Even the, the dream of an author. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, and even the how to stop feeling like shit. Because what's interesting that you started out with the 52 ways to live a kick-ass life. And as you probably know this, when you do start to go live a kick-ass life and you really do put yourself out there, you're going to have some shitty days. 100%. Sometimes even more so, right? Because yeah. as you really, really become a numbers a game. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, what what made you want to start with your first book to become a writer to begin with? Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, I I was a just the the kid with her nose in the book all the time. Like, do you remember bookmobiles? Did they have those where you oh, yeah. okay <laughs> bring us back? Thing and I was like. I, I, I can still, I wish I remember the smell inside of a bookmobile slightly different than a regular library, but I just love to read. And I, yeah. I, I really gravitated towards women authors and, you know, Francine Pascal, who God bless her, who wrote the Sweet Valley High series. <laughs> I wish yeah. I could say I was reading the classics, like Little Women and like Virginia yeah. Woolf. No, no. <laughs> Sweet Valley High, Judy Bloom. And I just, I thought it was the neatest thing to be an author. Yeah. And also I, like many people who, who are writers, I make sense of things through writing. I don't, sometimes I have a hard time spinning in my own mind. And if I get it out on paper, sometimes it kind of comes out as poetry. Sometimes it comes out as like scathing, rage-filled letters. Uh, it just depends. But writing is sort of my, it, it's very therapeutic for me. And so I got sober in 2011. I was a mm-hmm. high, high bottom alcoholic. Uh, this is probably a story for another time, but no one knew, you know, <laughs> it wasn't, I was like dancing on tables in my thong. Um, I had two little kids, <laughs> you know, I was like drinking too much as, wine every day. <laughs> as, as a line from what was at Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with that. No, there's anything wrong with that. Like get that cash girl. Like <laughs> I will tip you. Uh, but I just, I got sober And a few months after that, I sat up in bed and I told my husband, I'm going to write a book. And it, to me, it was like this profound. And he was like, okay, like, (laughs) just like I'd say, I'm going to go for a walk today. And I I didn't know what it was going to be about. I didn't know the structure of it. I didn't know anything. I just found, I took a screenshot of it in from 12 years ago. Cause you know, Facebook shows you those, um, the memories. Yes. I will show you this and people watching the video can, can see it. It says, um, I am, it was when, it was still when Facebook was like, Andrea is, and I said, oh, yes, how happy, to write a book elated. proposal, told yep. me. Yeah. That was February 13th, 2011. So I had no idea what I was doing. I had no connections in the industry. I have a degree in exercise physiology. I have no degree in like creative writing or an MFA. But I had this sort of delusional confidence that many days, like, I wish I could get back, which is also another conversation for another time. But I just flew by the seat of my pants. 
And looking back, Wendy, to be honest with you, there are some things in that book I now wish I could edit because Mm. we were rife in the toxic positivity (laughs) world. It was very (laughs) much like boss babe, like you can do it. It doesn't matter your circumstances, like work hard enough. Like, and now I'm like a little bit more wiser and mature and, um, and, and more inclusive. So I wish I could like write in the margins, like, yes. And, you know, <laughs> but that's kind of the, the Genesis story. Well, in what you, if I'm remembering this correctly, even though I just read it, um, make some noise where you said, start before you, I believe is like, it was talking about the, about having courage to just leap and like leap yeah. and trust that the, the net will appear. Right. And I I tell people that all the time, like you don't have to do crazy stuff to be courageous or to live the life that you want. Just like start small, go there one little leap at a time and then do another and turn the dial up just a little by little by little. So I love, I love that you said that, like, you don't have to have all the little duckies in a row lined up before you start something, just start. I mean, just go for it. Um, at the same time, I do feel like you were saying though, too, it's like, all right, don't be like super nutty, like have a, at least one duck in a row. Yeah. Have <laughs> a, have a, at least a duck, a baby yeah. duckling. Well, I want to, yeah. I want to pause for a second and it, and I actually, I don't think that the net will appear sometimes. Like, uh, sometimes yeah. And I can't promise you that it will. Yeah. Uh, but the way I talk about confidence is. I was just talking to a client about that this morning and I, I talk about it in one of my keynotes. Like, you, I think that we, co- confidence is like PhD level stuff. And most yeah. of us are in like elementary school or middle school. So it's like, what are the steps that you need to take in order to get to that place? And sometimes it will, it will ebb and flow. Most yeah. of the time you will not have it in all areas of your life because what it comes down to is a few things. One of them is, is mastery and competence. Like, yeah, you know, you're, I am sure that you are super confident in the ability to tie your shoes. Like if yes. I was like, when do you need to do this in 30 seconds? And I'll give you a hundred bucks. You're like, no problem. Right. But you know, if I'm like, can you, can you, I almost said untangle this car engine. That's not how that works. Take <laughs> <laughs> apart. Which goes to show we don't know anything about engines. I'm here, not but. mastered. I have no confidence. Therefore, I'm not confident that I could do that. So that's one part of it. And also it's it's exactly what you were saying. It's you don't just gain confidence from taking these small steps and having success. You also gain confidence from taking small steps, falling on your face, yeah. and then getting back up and realize like I didn't die. Like it might've been humiliating. It might have been, you know, just had your inner critic go crazy. All of the things you might've been judged along the way. But once you kind of pick yourself up and dust yourself off, you're like, okay, that was terrible. But again, it's a numbers game. It's like, you're going to have failures and you are also going to have successes. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. Like sometimes the net doesn't appear, Mm -hmm. but you're going to be okay. And I think that was... One of the things that I I felt after reading your last book, Make Some Noise, is that not only am I okay, like there's nothing, sometimes you feel like there's something horribly wrong with me. Like everybody else sure. has got their shit figured out except for mm-hmm. me. Like it's all like put a put a pin in it. You are where you are. And yes, you can make some changes. So mm-hmm. I felt 
not only like, okay, yes, I can leap and maybe the net will be there. Maybe it won't, but all in all, it'll be okay. It'll all work out just fine. Just like you were saying before you're, you know, before you got into coaching, you needed that, you needed to fall down. You needed the divorce and the, (laughs) and the guy with, and rehab. I remember reading that story too. I was like, oh my God, that's awful. But look at you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I mean, that's a whole other story of like my not listening to my intuition when my intuition at 19 told me to break up with my boyfriend and, and like to, to, at 27 told me not to marry him. I did anyway. And then look what happened. Like the universe yes. is like, all right, we're going to send this hot lady <laughs> to move in across the street. <laughs> You're not going to listen. Yeah. I know. On the first date with the guy who ended up lying about having cancer. First date, I sat across from him at the restaurant and was like, something's not right. And I don't Uh know. But he was cute and he was charming and he was funny. Yeah. I I love what you said about that. Because sometimes we, especially if myself included, like if you've been through trauma um, Mm -hmm. growing up and things like that, then your intuition can be a little like, you're like really trying to tune into the station. You're like, is that it? Is that it? Like, no. And from what I remember, like you said something about the fears, like it, if it's your fears, like it's going to be loud and obnoxious and it's going to remind you of your limiting beliefs and all the doubts and everything else. If it's your intuition, it's like, Hey, um, it's like your best friend going, girl, you know, that's to go quiet, neutral voice. It tends to be persistent. Uh, and it, you know, and there are very few occasions when I don't know if it's my fear or my intuition in those moments, I talk it out either with my therapist or a trusted friend, or I'll do some kind of like grounding exercise. And then again, few and far between, but sometimes I still don't know. So I just make a decision and, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to figure out on the other end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You just figure it out. So mm-hmm. with where you're at now, did you imagine all of this happening or were you just like, okay, I'm just going to write a book and then that's it. And yeah, I didn't, yeah. Ha- I was not the kid and young adult that had like hairy, scary, audacious goals. Yeah. Like it was a big deal for me to say I was going to write a book. And I just, again, flew by the seat of my pants. I have exceeded by far any dream that I ever had. So it's a, it's an interesting place to be because I know there's a lot of people out there who are listening, who have like these very specific goals. I was not that kind of person. I don't know. Were you? With some things I was, but you know what I've learned over the last few years to really just let go. I'm like on the no plan plan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I find that actually as things come into my life, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Let's let me work with that for a little bit and try that. But yeah, I don't, I used to try to plan my life so much in so much detail that if being a perfectionist, if it got screwed up, I was like, Oh my gosh, I would give myself such a hard time. Now I just kind of like go with the flow. And it's so much more relaxing. Yeah. I think, you know, you made me think of something like I did have a dream, but it was very much like, you know, the compulsive heteronormative uh, Gen X dream of like, I wanted to be a wife and a mom and have a house and a dog. And like, that was the prize for me. And that's another reason it was so devastating when my first husband was like, bye, I'm going to have a baby with somebody else. And I thought, I mean, I was just destroyed and gutted and we'd been doing yeah. it for 13 years. So I was super close to his family. So recovering from that, I think was also 
uh, although it was hard, it was a great motivator for me to be like, well, if this isn't what I'm going to have, I mean, I did end up marrying a wonderful human and, you know, I had the baby that I got pregnant with and Mm -hmm. my husband, my husband adopted him when he was a baby and and we have a daughter together and I get ended up working out really well, but I'll tell you what, like when thing, when I didn't get the dream that I wanted, because we don't have control over other people, I'll, that right. lit a fire under me like I could have never asked. <laughs> like, I'll show you what you're missing. Watch yes. me make a million bucks from this story. <laughs> yes. You know, I've always said too, like anger can be quite a motivator, right? I mean, I as wish far as like the level of more. energy, like depression and sadness is down here, but anger's up here and like anger can make you move like, oh yeah watch this shit. Yeah. You know, it's a conversation that I have with a lot of my clients who have been conditioned to just feel like anger in women is ugly and unbecoming and nobody likes an angry woman. Right. They have all pent up inside and they don't even know how to be demonstrative with their Mm -hmm. anger. I just gave a client an assignment earlier this week and she actually came up with it. I give her the credit to go to one of those rage rooms. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I gave her two options. So if anyone's listening and this is you, take this assignment. I said, you can go in with a sense of humor and have it be fun. But I'm just saying, if it were me, and again, I don't want to project, mm-hmm. you have permission to have it be a rage-filled exercise. Yeah. Bring your own mason jars and write the names of people on them or and scream at them. Like, do use it to the best of your needs. Like, what is your right. soul need? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well go all out. That's how I would do it. <laughs> Rage party. I have people's pictures on those jars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I'm so glad that you said that because sometimes, you know, men or women, sometimes we can be afraid of our emotions. Like it's something wrong. Like if you feel a certain way and kind of going back to, I had said about my brother passing away and Prior to that, my ex-husband died at the age of 26 years old and I was a single mom and there was not time to grieve. I I had just started a business and I was like, okay, let me just, I got to go, 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 go. And then I never grieved. I didn't think, I didn't realize, I, I thought maybe I was like, I'm fine. And then when my brother passed, of course, that all bubbled to the surface. And right before I went to the hospital to see my brother, I told myself, I remember looking in the mirror and I said, you know what? I'm going to give you the gift of grieving and you're going to feel whatever the hell you need to feel, whether it's happy, sad, mad, whatever. Right. And it's probably one of the greatest gifts I gave to myself was to actually just be with it. You know, and I can, I can remember even talking to friends, like they'd be like, Wendy, oh my God, you've been so miserable for the few days. I'm like, so let me just be miserable. Right. Or if there was like a day I was feeling happy, they're like, oh, she's, she's so happy. Her brother just died. <laughs> we are so uncomfortable with feelings in this culture, yeah. myself included. Like, I don't want to yeah. say like, I don't want that to be with contempt. Um, and please excuse me as I turn the heater down in my house, <laughs> I'm like sweating over here from this energetic conversation. Um, but no, like we don't know how to be with our own feelings and we certainly don't know how to be with everyone else's. So yeah, that's been a complete learning curve for me. And, uh, I think it is such a gift to be able to not just give yourself the space to do that, but be a soft place to land for people with their feelings, no matter what they are and not make people wrong. 
Mm-hmm. And again, like bringing up Gen X, like we grew up, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think the vast majority of us grew up in households where raised by baby boomer or silent generation parents where we don't have time for feelings. Like, yeah. Yeah. You don't talk about it. Nah, you just oh, go, 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 go. Fun of. You were sent to your room to do it in private by yourself, which was my family. We just didn't have the language around it. And yeah. I mean, no shame to them. Like many of them grew up either like during the great depression or world war two. Like, of course they didn't, that <laughs> wasn't a priority. Yeah. But yeah. I can remember it's, hearing, don't you stomp up those stairs. Don't you slam that door. I'm like, yeah. I'll be a good girl. I, I tell my kids now they've known from a very young age, just this one lesson. I've said, none of your feelings are wrong. Whatever comes up for you is totally normal, but you are responsible responsible for your behavior from said feelings. Yeah. So rules are like, don't be nasty to me or to each other. If you do, you need to clean it up. Mm-hmm. I don't like slam doors. Like, and, you know, tell me what you need in the moment. Cause right. it's like, it's a trip, like raising Gen Z and millennials, like differently than what we had. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's simultaneously joyous. And also there's grief in that. Cause like yeah. a lot of us are giving our kids what we never had and watching right. them have a different childhood in that regard that we mm-hmm. will never get. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I can't imagine actually raising little kids these days because it's changed so much compared to like when we were kids and even our kids, it's like, oh my gosh. Um, so I admire, I admire the parents that are out there right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's three questions I wrote down from your book. Um, I, I had to written it down for a reason, but, um, three questions to ask yourself. The first question is, cause I think this was in the part of the book where you were like, got a little little tap from the universe, like, hello, Andrea. (laughs) So first question is, what is life asking of me? Uh So that for me, I want to see what your thoughts are too. Um, But what is life asking of me? And I, a few years ago, when I really hit, you know, bottom, that is what was one of the questions I asked myself. I'm like, okay, what, what does life need of me? What am I supposed to be doing here? I'm not supposed to be on the floor crying my eyes out. I need to get my ass up and do something. Um, so for you, what is, what is life asking of you right now in this moment? I'm, I'm glad you said that very last part. Cause I think that anyone would a- answer that question differently, depending on what season of their life that they're right. in. Yeah. I think for me, it's, it's healing the, whatever wounds I either was born with. Cause I do believe in epigenetics and, you know, ancestral yeah. trauma that, that many of us carry and that most or all of us carry, to be honest. Yeah. And also, um, and childhood trauma, like many times that we don't even remember, like that we were too young to hold the memories and that, that we are, we are wounded and it's all like this subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. So I find myself even at 47, almost 48, recreating the same patterns in my life that I have lived before. I'm like, how did I get, oh, I've been, I've been in this place before. Yeah. Why so haven't so I stepped familiar. in this pile of shit? Yeah. Haven't I stepped in this pile of shit before? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, there's my aspirin from the last time I was here. 
Um, yeah. And just like finally trying to heal these patterns. So I don't keep making the same mistakes, hoping for different results. Mm -hmm. I just had it literally like a week or two ago with my therapist and I'm telling him the story of what happened. And, and he's like, he pointed out, he's like, you are, he's like, what do you think would happen? Kind of like worst case scenario. And I told him, and he's like, then you would be proving to yourself the inadequacy that you feel deep down. And I was like, fuck all the way off. <laughs> Just, am I paying for this? Yeah, he was right. Yeah, you owe me. <laughs> you owe me money. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, that's really right now, as we record this in 2023, yeah. that's what life is asking of me. Yeah. Interesting. That's really good. And I think, I love that you said that too, about the seasons, because it is so important because as we go, go, go in life and it, it is important to, to pause and go, okay, wait, what am I doing? And what does my life need of me? Where, where do I need to, what do I need to learn from? Mm-hmm. I mean, myself included. Sometimes I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I like, I, I just thought about that the other day. I was like, didn't I step in this palace shit before? Yeah. I know I did. Yeah, <laughs> times. I keep changing my shoes, but there it is again. Damn it. Um, so second question, who do I need to become? Mm -hmm. I love that because it is about really envisioning, right. Of who you want to be, how you want to live your life. Not so much all the, the things you might want to get, but it's who you are as a person. So who do you want, who do you need to become right now? I, I think in this point in my life, again, as we're recording, this is stepping into my biggest self. Cause to me, there's a difference mm. between like your best self and your biggest self. And I think your biggest self, especially for women is a little complicated. Yeah. Because again, we are told to not make too much noise. Don't make a scene. Don't rock the boat. Yeah. <laughs> so for us to step into our boldness, like, especially as someone who is an extrovert Aries Enneagram eight, it's I've been told, Oh, you know, like I've been told many times, like, can you, turn down the volume, you know, like, do you, do you have to be, there's that clip that's been making the rounds on social media. Have you seen it of Miley Cyrus? And what is it? She's, oh. she's one of the Helmsworths. Yes. I know which one you're talking about. It's one of the, they're real- on the red carpet and yeah. she, she like kind of fake licks him and you can see him mouth the words, something like, is there any time you can behave or something like that? Like, and he has kind of like a, condescending look on his face because they're in public, you know, and there's yep. like paparazzi everywhere and you can, Oh, I mean, just like watching it, like the body language, you can tell just like a tiny stiffness of her body where this is not the first time they've had mm-hmm. this introduction. And yep. she's kind she's getting to the point where she's like, it, it doesn't matter how hot you are. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking this anymore. It's like those moments that I think many of us have been told you know, you're too much. Yeah. Yeah. As I enter, as I'm looking down the barrel at 50 years old, I'm really feeling what so many women who've come before me, who have said, you get to a point around age 50 yeah. where you're like, no, nope. I'm done. Like, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm be me. Yeah. yeah. And fully step into it. Yeah. That was, um, my biggest thing for me, uh, was not shining my light. Uh-huh. And cause I was told I'm too loud, I'm yeah. too this, I'm too that. And that 
you think like, oh, well, maybe I am. So let me just tone it down and tone it down. But then in the meantime, like your soul is slowly dying because you're not being who you truly are. So I love that. I, that was one of the greatest things too, out of make some noise was, was that is like shine, just shine. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Because the thing is, as you know, especially being on Instagram, there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be somebody that says you're too loud and too much. Always. Always. Guaranteed. Instagram, outside of Instagram, in the entire world, in your entire life, there's always going to be somebody that says that. Mm -hmm. So who cares? Just... I mean, if Kim Kardashian can like build a multi-billion dollar empire and she's not that talented, I mean, no shade shade to her, but like, I'm just using her as an example. I admire what they have created. Right. Like a fascination point and what's possible. Yes. She can't win. Like she really can't. Like there will be people who think she's awesome always. And there will be people who absolutely loathe her. So you can, you can go out there and put your art out. You yes. can go out there and pitch a hundred people for whatever it is that you are tra- service you're trying to sell. Like, go do the thing, go shine. Yeah, and why not? I mean, I know this is so cliche, but life is short, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the way mm-hmm. I look at it, it's like just go all out. It's not, you know. I mean, I said on this show, it's like, okay, my ex husband dying at twenty six, my brother died at forty nine. Life is short, even if you make it to a hundred. Life is short. It's like a hundred years old. That's that's a blink in eternity. A micro blink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So make really? lots of noise. I mean, that's how you that's how you change your own life and change other lives. And making the noise doesn't necessarily, I wanna I wanna say and point out, yeah. it's not necessarily about literally making noise. Yeah. It's right. whatever it looks like in your life. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we were talking about there's, I have a chapter in there called shine too bright. And the reason it was specifically named that is because I have many clients who have stopped themselves short because they are afraid of outshining someone else. A lot of times it's their own partners. If they're in a heterosexual relationship, they don't want to emasculate their husband or boyfriend. A lot of times it's our siblings. Um, sometimes it's our parents, like it it really could be any, anyone, but like, we don't, it's like, we want to be the best, but yet like, we don't want like all, we don't want all the attention and like (laughs) criticism and you just don't want to make somebody else feel bad for your own success. Yep. I've been told before, like in meetings, like Wendy, maybe let somebody else come up with the great idea. Okay. So then I would, so I was always so confused about the light. And then what really, what really changed for me was realizing I had control of the dimmer switch. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know. You're not controlling the damn dimmer switch. It's mine. Right. Yeah. And I think too, for everyone out there, it's like, there's times in your life where it does get dim. And, and things that happen to you externally going through a divorce or a death or whatever the case is, it's like, yeah, it, your light can get dim or you, that, that flame within you, but then you have that power to turn it up when you're ready to turn it up. Yeah. But for it to not turn turn up, (laughs) turn it up, dang it. So the third question, uh, what do I need to walk through in order to not only rise to the occasion but to come out a better woman on the other side. Mm -hmm. I love that. What was that for you? 
For me, it was uh, actually the first word that pops into my mind is gratitude. Gratitude for all my losses, losses that I've had in my life. Because if I hadn't had them, I wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah, I I wouldn't. I, I, I needed all of them. And I try my best that as I go forward in life, if I leap and the net doesn't appear and I fall on my ass, then I'm going to be grateful for that too. Yeah. So it makes, to me, when I look back at my life and the things that I've been through and the trauma and the drama, like, okay, I needed that, 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 and that to understand myself, to help other people to understand themselves and to empower them. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I think it was just really a lot of gratitude for what I've been through in my life. Yeah. That's interesting. Mine was, I had to walk through actually learning how to feel and process my feelings Mm -hmm. because I didn't know how to do that. I was always on to the next thing and tried to bury them alive and hope that they would die. And when I got sober was, was when like the real work started, I'm certified in Brene Brown's work. So I am both well-versed in facilitating it and going through my own shame work, which like that Mm -hmm. shit will kick you ass till Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to really talk about that, but it's the underlying issue in so many problems and behaviors and like, even I think even like wars and world issues and it's shame Yeah, us trying to avoid it. And just quick side note, people often say like, well, I don't feel like I have a whole lot of shame. Like I don't walk around feeling ashamed and I'm like me neither, but it is driving Mm -hmm. the bus Yes, in an effort to avoid it at all costs. Right. So, you know, that's a different conversation for another time, but like I had to really learn my friend Amy had such an an interesting perspective for me one time I was in the depths of despair and I was nearly sober and she said, "You know, what if you could just adopt the perspective that feelings are just like your body's way of taking care of itself? Like if you get sick and you cough a lot or you have like hmm. intestinal issues that are really gross, it's like your body is just has this information from a virus or bacteria and is like, well, we need to, yeah. things. like, what if feelings are just the same thing trying to get right. you back to homeostasis? And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's it. It's really not that big of a deal. I like that. I like that but analogy. I mean, I was convinced that if I opened up Pandora's box, I was never going to stop crying. Yeah. And we are ashamed of our emotions. We are afraid of them. And to me, I just, I asked myself, like, what if it wasn't that big of a deal if I cry for three days over this? Right. Yeah. I think one of the things for me in the last few years that I've learned, um, is that we're human beings being human. Yeah. We're just, yep. This is what we do. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just trying it. We're all doing the best we can just to figure this shit out. Right. Mm -hmm. We're so all of us are emotional. And I don't think any gender is exempt from that. I think it's so hilarious that people are like, women are so emotional. And I'm like, ah, and I don't mean to stereotype, but like men seem to access anger very much. Like, have you watched the Super Bowl? (laughs) We're all emotional. Yeah, exactly. So what's next for you? I have another book that I am like almost finished with the proposal and it's another self-help book and I've written a memoir, but we put that on the shelf for a minute. It'll come out eventually. And yeah, just more speaking. I feel like we're finally kind of post-pandemic. Like, uh, oh God, I hope so. In person and yeah, 
That's what's next. Memoirs are rough. They're really hard to sell unless you are a celebrity. Well, and just even for the writer, right? I mean, just going through the process of digging that stuff up and it's Girl, I paid five figures for a coach to help me because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can write a self-help book in my sleep, but memoir is is similar to fiction. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's very personal. Yeah. Yep. Very, very personal. So where can we find you? Well, I have a podcast that I've had for 10 years this May. I know. It makes noise. I didn't know it was that. Wow. You were doing podcasting before podcasting became a thing. Yeah, I was. I was an early adopter to podcasting because I like to talk so much. And um, and I'm on social media at Hey Andrea Owen everywhere. And I love TikTok. Oh, gosh, me too. It's my favorite. <laughs> I watched some of your reels. I'm like, you and I are both like the biggest goose. Totally. <laughs> That's why like, we I don't care. <laughs> I found yeah. my medium. And you do provide coaching too. You I do one-on-one coaching. Okay. I still love one-on-one. I know some of my yeah. colleagues are like, you're crazy. Um, it's still my favorite to connect like privately with like just one other human. And that's all on my site. And I do some consulting too, for people who are interested in writing a book or yeah. just starting their coaching business and all that good stuff. Nice. You're so awesome. I'm so grateful thank for you. Too. I'm so glad we got to connect and thank you everyone for listening. I know yeah. how precious time is and I'm grateful for them. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. And now for the nuggets of midlife wisdom from today's show. Number one, confidence will ebb and flow throughout your life. Number two, you don't just gain confidence from taking small steps and having success. You also gain confidence from taking small steps falling on your face, been there, done that, I will keep doing that, and then realizing you didn't die. You're going to be okay. Number three, anger can be quite a motivator in your life. Allow anger to move you and move through you. Number four, give yourself the gift of feeling your feelings and give others the space and respect to feel their feelings. Number five, Adopt the perspective that feelings are your body's way of taking care of itself and helping you get back to homeostasis. The next three nuggets are questions from Andrea's book, Make Some Noise. Number six, what is life asking of you? You need to ask yourself that question. Number seven, who do you need to become? Number eight, What do you need to walk through in order to not only rise to the occasion, but to come out a better woman or man on the other side? Thank you so much, Andrea. You are awesome. It was an honor to have you on the Midlife Makeover Show. I am looking forward to reading your next book, and I'm looking forward to you reading my first book. Check out Andrea and all her awesomeness at andreaowen.com. Okay, midlifers, get out there and be bold, be free, be you, and make some noise. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change, or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, You can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. 
Number three, share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.